so good to see you this morning. Welcome. Glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you. Glad that you're here as well. I don't know if you've been following or reading anything about something that's going on down in the States at a university called Asbury University. How many have been reading a little bit about that? You've seen it on your Facebook page. Yeah, the children and all the young ones are going. Sorry about that. God bless you as you go. Have a great time. Asbury University is really a theological seminary. It's in a little town called Wilmore in Kentucky, just outside, I think, Lexington. It's just a little town. They've actually had a few revivals there in, in the past, things that lasted for a while. The presence of the Lord was very evident in their chapel services. And last Wednesday, so about 10 days ago, in their chapel service, just a normal chapel service, uh, the presence of the Lord became very evident. You know what? That's the difference. That's the biggest difference. They had a speaker. They had a worship team. They had plans for all of that. The people were there. All of the students were there. But the presence of the Lord came in response to their prayer, in response to the, the worship that they, that they were offering to the Lord. And the presence of the Lord came. And it's the presence of the Lord that, that, that makes the difference. And so since that time, 10 days ago, on that uh, 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, they've been in that chapel ever since. 24 hours, it's, what's it now, 10, 11 days, uh, something going on all the time. In fact, uh, the presence of the Lord is so real that now there's lineups a mile long outside to try and get in and to be, to be, to be a part of it. They've opened up the other chapels on the grounds. People have come from all over the world. Some of the pastors I know here in Toronto went down uh, to, 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 to be there and to, to feel what's going on. They call it a revival. You know, sometimes I wish we had better words or more descriptive words. We use words for lots of things, right? Because when you say revival, it's like saying love. It's, you think of something and somebody sitting next to you thinks of something totally different, right? And revival is one of those words. Because some people think about revival, that means there's going to be lots of people getting saved. There's going to be people that don't know Jesus coming in and uh, being convicted of their sin and, and, and their need of Jesus as their Savior. Uh, other people think, well, it's just the presence of the Lord. Other people think, you know, there's going to be something uh, about healings or, or manifestations of God's power. So there's all of those things. What I read, and I've read a little bit about it, what I read is, is that at this place now, it's the presence of the Lord, and it's, it's the focus on Jesus. Boy, that would be a good idea in church, wouldn't it? A focus on Jesus. How novel. How How beautiful. Because, you know, sometimes in the church world, we get so busy with all the other stuff and we're doing all the other stuff. You know, I've been to church services where you never anymore hear the name Jesus. You sing songs, great songs, good songs, but they're not about Jesus. In fact, you, you never hear Jesus being sung about. You never hear his name. I've been, I've been in church services where I've walked out the door and I've never heard his name once. Because we don't want to offend anybody. We want to be politically correct and all of that stuff. You know, one of the other things that's happened, some of us have been around a little longer, and we remember back to the days when we used to have Sunday night services. How many remember have coming to church on Sunday night? Hallelujah. You know, in fact, we had Sunday school for an hour before Sunday morning church, and then we had a Sunday night service. 
It was a great day, right? And one of the wonderful things about the Sunday night service was that we took time around the altar. How many come remember the altar? Being at the altar and spending times on your knees in repentance and, and, and tears and praying for one another and singing and, and worshiping the Lord. You know, we don't do that so much anymore. In fact, there's very few churches that have a Sunday night service. And so one of the things we've lost, in my opinion, is that we've lost time around the altar. Because we don't do it much on Sunday morning because, you know, the Swiss chalet is calling and we, we just can't offend the people. Out. We, you know, in fact, you know, pastor, you're going over an hour. What's going on here? You know, uh, so we, we feel all that kind of pressure. And so we don't have altar time. Like, and so what's happening at Asbury is here's these young men and women. They're part of what they call now Generation Z, Gen Z or Gen Z, right? Because everybody's got a name. You know, I'm glad to be a boomer. Some of you are a little older than me. You're, you're builders, right? Uh, but, but we're in the baby boom generation. Now everybody's got a name. You're a millennial or you're a you know, Generation X. Or th these, these are the young men and women who are studying theology, and they're in basically a Bible college of sorts. They're doing their, their, their education. And you know what? This is a time for them to experience things around the altar that I don't think many of them have ever experienced. That doesn't happen in their churches. And so they're just focused on Jesus, and they're having one long altar service. It's been going on for like 10 days. The presence of the Lord is there. The people that are doing the worship, they, they, they take turns, and there's teams that come. They don't announce who they are. Every once in a while, somebody gets up to speak, one of the faculty or one of the, one of the invited guests. They don't tell their name. You know why? Because it's not about the name or about the celebrity, which we've done in the church world, but it's about focusing on Jesus again. Focusing on Jesus. And so there's just worship, and there's just repentance, and there's, there's times around the altar, and there's just the sweet presence of Jesus. And so many of us, as we've seen it, and as we've read about it, maybe you've watched a little clip on a video that somebody took, although, you know, they, they decided they're not going to live stream it. They're not going to uh, market it. Because, you know, we've marketed some revivals. I don't know if you know about that, you know. Uh, the Toronto Blessing or Pensacola, we've marketed that, you know, and, and, and so on. This isn't about, this is just about being in the presence of Jesus. And, and I don't know if we need to go or if you need to go there. You know what my heart's cry is? that we would experience the same thing here, that we would just be so focused on Jesus, that we would see Jesus high and lifted up in all of his majesty and all of his glory. Because Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I want my family to get saved. How about you? I want all the ones that aren't serving Jesus to know Jesus. We want our community and our town to know Jesus because to know him is to know life. Hallelujah. That's the greatest thing that will ever happen. I love my, my two daughters and their husbands and our, our four grandchildren, but the greatest thing I want for them is them to know Jesus. They can have all the money and all the titles and all the other stuff. We want them to know Jesus. And so that's our heart's cry. When you focus on, on being in the presence of Jesus, sometimes Jesus shows up. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus would show up and we would sense his presence and his power? You know what? You don't have to go to Wilmore, Kentucky for that to happen. I, I'm not sure we should go. I think we should focus on ourselves. I think we should focus on here and we should say, Lord, you're everywhere. You're not limited by time or space or all of that. What you are doing there, 
the Lord has been good. He's been gracious, amazing grace, that God would come and manifest his presence there. Oh, Lord, manifest your presence in the midst of your people here in Stouffville. Let your presence come here. Now, you know what? If it happened, I read a little bit, when it happens, the poor people that are there, the, the staff and the faculty, they're exhausted, right? Because they're trying to catch a few hours of sleep and get back and do it. They've got all sorts of worship teams. They've got, you know, people, and, and it takes its toll. So, you know, you've got to be ready for something like that to happen. You've got to be ready for that. Can you imagine what would happen if the presence of the Lord came and we, we just carried on for the next five weeks, 50 weeks? We, we'd be a little tired, right? You remember when I talked about Moses having his hands up and the power of God coming in victory and Moses got a little tired? Do you remember, do you remember even the young Shiloh got a little tired? Right? You remember, right? Because that's what happens. That's what happens. You know? It's like when I stick my finger in the wall socket. You know, we, we make sure our children don't do that. We put the little plastic covers over. Because when you stick your finger in and you come in, in contact with that electricity... There's going to be some manifestation that's going to happen in your body. You're going to just, you know, and, and it's going to take its toll on you. So here's my advice to us. Because you'll read all sorts of stuff from people that think it's from the devil to people that think this is the greatest revival that's ever happened. And you'll have all sorts of stuff in between. Let's just be open to the Lord. Let's just say, Lord, we long for you. We long for your presence. We long for you to come and be with us. So that you will fill us and revive us and revive uh, all of the things that you want to do in us so that we will be your people, salt and light that will go out into the community and do the good things that Jesus did that he was here, that he would flow through our hands, flow through our feet, flow through our mouths, that Jesus would be alive. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? So I've talked with Hilda a little bit and Hilda's going to be at the prayer meeting tonight as she is every night, six o'clock tonight for an hour. Uh, well, we're planning an hour. Let's see what happens, right? And, 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 and I've given her freedom. Let's go this direction. Let's, let's be open to it. She wanted to know that I was on board with this. You know what? I'm on board with Jesus. How about you? I, God, oh God, how we desperately want you. How we need you. We can't live without you. When you've experienced the presence of Jesus, when you felt the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you, you can't be content with anything else. Well, there's two of us that agree with that. You can't be content with anyone else, anything else. There's nothing in this world that compares to the presence and the power of God. Hallelujah. Now, we like to eat, and we like to sleep, and we need to do all that stuff. But the joy of life is when Jesus comes. So that's where we're going. That's what we want. That's what the world needs. Amen? Oh, Lord, do it again. Revive us in the midst of our years. Let your presence and your power come. One of the things that happens, and I read, uh, I read uh, a few of the faculty and, and the president of the, of the Asbury University, I read some things that they'd written. I read something that the, the professor of New Testament theology had written. And, 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 and in the midst of what he was writing about what was going on, he said, you know, what's happening here is, is, is a sense of just being connected to Jesus. And that involves repentance. And you know, young people, sometimes young people get a little demonstrative. I don't know if you've noticed that, right? 
Uh, and, and so they're at the altar, and they're weeping, and they're all sorts of stuff, and they're loving each other and, and praying for each other, and, and it's wonderful, you know. And so he was talking about there's repentance, and there's all these kind of things going on, and with it comes all sorts of things. I want to talk a little bit about one of those things that is a factor, that's a key ingredient in revival, in what God wants to do from our point of view, something that we need to have. So I want to talk to you this morning about something that we all need, but that we often find hard to give. Something that we all need, but we often find hard to give. What do you think it is? Some of you are saying money. I don't want to say it too loud, but it's probably money. Anything else? What? What? Love. We talked about love last week, right? Forgiveness. How about we talk about forgiveness today? Something that we all need, but we often find hard to give. We all need it. We find it hard to give. So Wendy's going to come and read for us a very interesting passage from the Lord Jesus' own mouth. Matthew chapter 18, starting to read at verse 21. Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Thank you, Wendy. We're going to talk about forgiveness and maybe the negative side of that, which is unforgiveness. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a serious problem. It's a serious problem. Unforgiveness, really, if you think of it, is, it, it's a little bit like AIDS. AIDS. We don't hear much about that, not as much as we used to. Anti-immunodeficiency syndrome. 
In other words, it attacks your immune system so that it can't fight off all the germs or all the things that it needs to fight off. And so infection comes and all sorts of diseases and things are a result because your immune system is struggling. I think unforgiveness is a little bit like that. It's a serious thing because now when there's unforgiveness, you're open to all sorts of other things coming into your life. Do you know that unforgiveness affects marriages? Affects marriages. We don't intend it to. I know that there's issues that come along. There's things that we do. Some we in, don't intend to do and some stupid stuff we do. And when that happens, my observation has been that when marriages break up, there's definitely some unforgiveness happening over all the things. And unforgiveness will infect marriages unless you deal with it. It affects and infects relationships. My best friend now, I never talk to them anymore. Well, why? Well, she said this, and they did that, and you know, they... And so because of that, we don't forgive them. We don't get it straightened out. And that person who was a, a good friend, and we had a wonderful relationship, now we no longer are friends with them. We don't talk to them. In fact, we, we shun them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. All sorts of relationships, every level of relationship. Unforgiveness can infect that relationship. Do you know that unforgiveness infects churches? It comes into the church over something that has happened, over somebody that did something, over somebody that overstepped and everybody else is upset about them. And before you know it, there's unforgiveness in the church. There's a great example of that that you read about in the book of Corinthians. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, a Pentecostal, Holy Spirit-filled church. And even there, they were having some issues. When he writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he's writing to them. And he says that something is happening in the church. There's a man who's in a terrible moral violation. He's being intimate with the wife of his father. If you can sort that all out, okay? And a relationship is going on there that shouldn't happen. And they're in the church. So Paul says, you better deal with it. You better deal with it. Either he, asks, he straightens it out and he asks for forgiveness, or you put him out of the church so that the Lord can deal with him. When you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you come along there and you find that they did what Paul suggested, and something wonderful happened. The person straightened it out, realized this was not what should be happening, listened, and straightened it out. It's not going on anymore, and they asked for forgiveness. And so in verse, I think it's verse 5 of, of chapter, no, verse 7 of chapter 2, he says, okay, so the person has come, and he's asked for forgiveness. And so Paul says, you ought to forgive them, and comfort him. And restore that person. And bring them back into fellowship. And bring them back into relationship. So that you don't discourage them when they've turned away from what they, sh what they shouldn't be doing. And they've asked for forgiveness. You ought to come along and reaffirm your love for them. He says in verse 8. That's forgiveness. Reaffirm your love for them. 
Restore that relationship. But then Paul goes on and he says something very, very interesting in verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, you've forgiven them, so now I forgive them. And here's what he says, verse 10. I have forgiven in the sight of the Lord for your sake. In order that Satan won't outwit us because we are not ignorant or unaware of his devices. Paul here, the great apostle Paul, he equates what's going on as something that the devil can use. You know the devil loves unforgiveness? And Paul says, listen, you need to forgive and you need to restore them and reaffirm them and love them back, comfort them. Don't put them out so that they're discouraged and away they go forever and forever. And I've forgiven, why? So that the devil won't outwit us. Now, you may not like to talk about the devil or you want to hear a lot about the devil, but I'm telling you, the devil is still alive and well in 2023. And he wants to outwit us. And we've got to be so careful with what we do and what we don't do. And what we say about Asbury. And how we love the things of God. And what we say about somebody else. And how we treat other people according to Paul. And he says, because we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. He uses those kind of things. If he can't get into the front door because everything's going wonderful, there will come some relationship or some problem that'll happen. And in the middle of that, somebody won't forgive somebody else and we give the devil a foothold. That's his device. That's the way he works. And before you know it, we're going to have a big problem. And there's going to be church splits. And people are going to leave. And people are going to go there. And people are going to lose their salvation. Do you know any people that used to come to church that used to love Jesus that don't serve him anymore? The devil has outwitted them. They fall into one of his schemes. Why? Because unforgiveness can even affect churches. So it's not just me personally, but as a member of the body, I need to make sure that I live in forgiveness, that I walk in the light, if you will, so that the Lord can do what he wants to do. And I believe the Lord wants to do some great things. Hallelujah. Not only does it infect churches, but Unforgiveness can affect your own health. And in a book that we had to read way back in Bible college, None of These Diseases, it's listed there about 50 different illnesses. There's probably been a few more since then that have come along that, that are caused, the author discusses, that they've been caused by bad attitudes, by things that are wrong, by unforgiveness amongst them, in your own, and it affects your own health, bad attitudes. In fact, in that book, he talks about a psychologist who would say that about 90%, at least 90% of his patients, somewhere in their problems, unforgiveness is there. Now, there's probably a few others, but unforgiveness is one of the major things. It can affect your own health if you don't forgive. In fact, you know what? Forgiveness is, is, is one of those things that hurts me more than it hurts the person who's hurt me. Because they do something. Sometimes they don't know. And sometimes they do it on purpose. And then they go on their merry way. 
But I hold it all in my heart, and I'm all worried, and I'm all, you know, I put my head in my pillow at night. Is there anybody else like me? That's when all of a sudden my mind comes alive, right? And wants to chew the cud on all the things that that person said, and I wish I'd said that, and why didn't I give it? And away you go. And, you know, you can't sleep when that's happening, right? And so I... Unforgiveness hurts me, hurts my health. It hurts the way I relate to everybody else. But you know what? It also infects my very soul. My very soul. I don't know if any of you remember the, the sitcom. We were going back to the early 50s, so we're a while ago, called Amos and Andy. It's a while back, okay? But you know... There was a big guy that used to come in all the time and, uh, to visit Amos and Andy, and, and he would always slap Andy on the chest every time he came in, you know? Every time he came in. Didn't say hello, he just slapped Andy on the chest. Andy said, you know what, Amos, I'm going to do? I'm going to get a stick of dynamite, and I'm going to stick it in my pocket, and next time that guy slaps me on the chest, he's going to blow his hand off. And you know what? Unforgiveness and hatred will do that. Sometimes you'll be able to hurt the other person, but it'll blow your heart out. It'll blow your own heart out. And you will suffer more because of unforgiveness. You say, Pastor, you don't know what somebody's done to me. You don't know how badly they've hurt me. You don't know all the things that I've tried to restore, and they just turn away, and they... You know what? Jesus knows. But he loves me and he loves you enough that he wants us to forgive from our heart so that it won't infect me. It won't infect me. Let's let Jesus deal with that other person. Let's, let's commit them to the Lord. He'll, he'll, he'll work on them. Let's work on me. Let's work on me. So it's very important. So unforgiveness is a serious problem. But the second part of my message, and this is the good news, unforgiveness is a solvable problem. Hallelujah. That's the good news. It's a solvable problem. Let me come over and talk to you folks on this side for a while. It's a solvable problem. Hallelujah. Not that you need it more than that side, but you know what? This is the good news side. Hallelujah. It's a solvable problem. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, listen, I got somebody that's really, I got one nerve left and that person's on it all the time. He's just bugging the daylights out of me. I forgive them. They keep doing it. And, and so how many times, you know what? I've forgiven them <sighs> seven times. Seven whole times I've forgiven them. You know, I read that and I thought, how many people that really bug me have I forgiven seven times? My limit's probably about three, right? Three strikes. I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian. Three strikes, you're out, right? We just, you know, uh, seven times. Wow, can you imagine? I've been so gracious, Jesus. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm really taking all the stuff you're teaching me in, and I'm really living a great life. I've forgiven this person seven times. What does Jesus say? Big deal. Big deal. You need to forgive them. Wendy, in the, the translation she was reading, said 77 times. Most of our Bibles say 70 times 7. Times 70, times 7, times 77, times 7. What is Jesus saying? He's making the point with exaggeration that it's really unlimited. Boy, that's big news to my human heart and spirit. Because I think I'm doing really well at three. Peter thought he was doing well at seven. 
unlimited, just keep forgiving them? Are you out of your mind? So Jesus tells a little story, tells a little parable. And he says, here was a person who owed all sorts of money, 20,000 talents. Now, when I went and checked in my Bible, a talent was about 20 years' wages. Okay? And he owed how many? 10,000. So some of you math wizards are doing it now, right? 10,000 times 20 years. Man, that's a lot of money. That's, we're talking Elon Musk kind of money, right? You know, when they talk about all these billionaires, I mean, whether you're talking 1 billion or 10 billion, it's, it's way beyond what I'll, I, I can't even think about it. Never, never be near it. I'm more kind of back, come back down to the millions. I'm still struggling with that, right? So we're talking billions of dollars this person owes. And the king says, okay, time to call in the loan. And, and you know the story because we read it. The guy can't do it. There's no way he can pay it back. It's, it's an exorbitant amount. And so he asked, please, he doesn't ask for forgiveness of it. He said, just, just have patience with me. I'll, I'll get there. Please don't sell my wife. She's got to be worth, come on, man, get ready. She's got to be worth at least 50 million, you know. That, but when you're talking a billion, you've got a way to go, right? What is the king? He says, he's moved, and he says, you know what? I'm just going to forgive it all. It's like you don't owe it. It's huge, but it's forgiven. Wow. Can you imagine that? Some of you have got a mortgage that you don't even like to think about, right? And the interest rates are going up. Can you imagine if somebody came up to you and said, you know what? Your mortgage is paid, forgiven. Don't have to pay it anymore. Wow, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? This is a huge amount. But Jesus goes on with the story. And he says, he goes out into the community and he finds, he, he finds somebody who owes him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii, according to what I checked, is about a day's wages. So a hundred days, so about a third of your annual salary. So those of you that are making a hundred grand, wow, how'd you do that? No, how'd you know if you're like, you're, that, if it's 30 grand, let's say that's easy, I can divide, that's $10,000. Now, that's still substantial, right? But when you compare it to a billion and 10,000, and what does the guy do? He grabs him by the throat, and he says, pay me back. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in jail. The same thing that had been said to him. I'm going to get your wife sold. I'm going to get all your children sold. I'm going to liquidate everything you have until you pay the debt back. But the other people around see, and they go to the king, and they say, this is what's happening. And you, you, you remember now the end of the story, right? He'd been forgiven, but because he didn't forgive, he had it all put back on him. And he was tortured, and everything he had was sold until he could pay it back. And verse 35, the last verse of the chapter that Wendy read, said this is how God is going to treat you unless you Forgive from your heart. Wow. That's quite a thing. So when I look at that story, I, I think, you know, let me, let me just try and put it in a few packages that I can understand. Maybe three things that stand out to me that 
we should discuss for a few moments. The first thing is, how have we been forgiven? Because really it's a story about God, isn't it? God has forgiven us like that king. We owed a debt we could never pay. Never, never, never. We could try. We could, we, we, we could hope to. We could do all the right things. We could, we could pay penance. We could go to church all our life. We could never repay the debt. Jesus came from heaven, died in our place on the cross, paid the price for our sin, was buried, and God accepted that price, raised Jesus from the dead, so that through his resurrection and life, we now can be set free. We're forgiven. Hallelujah. All my past is forgiven. Wow. It's like God is saying. So how does God forgive us? Number one, God forgives us unlimited. Unlimited. There's no limit to what God forgives us. Put the verse up for me, would you please? This is what it says in Psalm 103. You know this verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all of your transgressions. All. There's no limit to it. Jesus died so that Every sin, every transgression, every wickedness, every unrighteousness, whatever term you want to put in, it can all be forgiven by God. Hallelujah. There's no limit to it. Say, well, you know, I'm too bad a sinner. How can you be too bad a sinner when Jesus paid the price for it already? How can you be too bad a sinner when God can forgive all sin? And he does through Jesus Christ. Unlimited, unlimited. There's nothing that you've done that Jesus hasn't paid for, died for. There's nothing that you or I have done that God is not able and willing to forgive. He wants to forgive us. Hallelujah. It's unlimited. But you know, the second thing I see in this is, is, is about God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is prompt. It's right away. It's right away. Put the verse up for me, Lisa. Let's see what it says there. Also in the Psalm, Psalm 85. You, Lord, are forgiving and good. Boy, that's small up on the back screen. Thank you. Uh, you know, my eyes aren't as young as they used to be. Abounding in love to all who call upon him. Right away. He doesn't wait. He doesn't say, well, let me just see if you really mean it. Let me just see if you do it again. Let me just see if, 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 if your lifestyle changes. Let me see if you treat people better. Prompt, right away. That's how the Lord forgives me. When I come to the altar and I ask Jesus to forgive my sin, the weight of sin is gone. Prompt, right away. I get up off my knees and I walk out. Old things are gone. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Right away. Just like being born. Right away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third thing I see about how God forgives me is he forgives me. Better check my notes here. <laughs> he forgives me. Ah, repeated. Repeated. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to clause, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, let me just check the records. Didn't, didn't I forgive you this yesterday? Uh, last week, I think we had the same problem here, right? Repeated. 
He doesn't say, well, there's, there's a limit. It's not seven times. It's not 70 times seven. He repeatedly forgives me. Now, that's not a license to sin and a license to do whatever I want, right? But he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And I remember as a young man, as a young Christian, feeling like, you know, here I go again. I, I, I fall in this area again, and I, I, I blow it in this area again. And, and I can't go back to, to God. I can't ask Jesus because he, I, he's already forgiven me, and now I've blown it again. But you know the good news that we learn is that repeatedly, over and over again, it doesn't matter. He cleanses us. He washes us. The blood of Jesus flows like a cleansing stream all of the time. Repeatedly, he forgives us. And fourth, I notice about the way that God forgives. He forgives unlimited. Unlimited. Hallelujah. There's no limit to it. There's nothing that he can't forgive. There's no limit on how God forgives me. And so he comes and he forgives me unreminded. Unreminded. Uh, isn't this the same problem we had last week? You mean you haven't got over it? No, he, he doesn't do that, right? He doesn't remind us over and over again. It's unreminded. So put the verse up for me, Lisa. Here's what it says. And he's quoting here in Hebrews chapter 8 from Jeremiah chapter 31, where God speaks back there in Jeremiah. And he says, For I, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. I'll remember their sins no more. In other words, I choose not to hold it against them. I choose not to remember it again. I choose not to be reminded about it. As far as the east is from the west, my Bible tells me, so far God has removed my sin from me. Hallelujah. And he's not reminded about it again. All of the time... He chooses not to remember it. Why? How does he choose? He chooses that the blood of Jesus would cleanse me and wash me and remove my sin from me. I, I know it's a bit of a semantics. But you know, some people say, you know, when God forgives you, he pours it into the sea of his forgetfulness. Well, I, I, I just have a trouble with a forgetful God. I don't want God to have a sea of forgetfulness because if he's an old man in heaven that's forgetting a lot of stuff, there's some stuff I don't want him to forget. How about you? Yeah, Lord, I need you today for my daily bread. I, I, I need you to uh, watch over my wife and my children. I need you to take care of those grandchildren that are growing up in this world these days. Please don't forget them. So I know what we're trying to say. God, but you know what? Here's the better way. God chooses not to remember it anymore. There's a difference between that and forgetting about it. God never forgets. Hallelujah. Don't forget me, oh God. Hallelujah. Don't, here I am. I'm, I still need you. I need you today. I need you every day. Don't forget how much I'm depending on you. Don't forget to love me. Don't forget to forgive me. Don't forget to cleanse me. Don't forget to manifest your presence all the time. Don't forget. Don't forget. But there's a difference between forgetting and choosing not to remember. It's unreminded. That's what God does. Unreminded. He takes it away. Not to be held against me anymore. I'm not guilty through the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven.
through the blood of Jesus. That's how we've been forgiven. Just like the man who was forgiven the billion dollars. Forgiven. Can't earn it. Don't merit it. By the grace of God. Thank God for His goodness and His grace. He forgives us. Okay? So that's how God forgives us. Now in the story, the second point that I I think we need to discuss, because I read it and I see it here, is that we are called upon to forgive proportionately. We're called upon to forgive proportionately. We've got to forgive the other people who have hurt us. We've got to forgive those who are in relationship with us as much as God has forgiven us. So if you go to a beautiful verse found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32. Here's what he gives instruction by the Holy Spirit. He says, be kind. I like the King James because it says, be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How did God forgive you? Unlimited, prompt, repeated, unreminded. That's how God forgave me, right? So he says, now we who have been forgiven much, who have been cleansed, who now have Jesus living inside us, we need to forgive proportionately in the same way. How? As God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. Last week we talked about that we need to love as Jesus has loved us, as God has loved us, that the agape, the one way, the unconditional love of God would flow into us and fill us, that we would let that flow to the people that we come in contact with, that the love of God shed abroad into our hearts would flow through us and we would love everybody with that kind of love. And in the same way, we've been forgiven and now we need to forgive other people as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So the same standards apply. The same things, the same points apply. How we mean forgiven, that's how we need to forgive somebody else. So we've been forgiven unlimited. Guess what? We need to forgive people in the same way, unlimited. Yeah, but they hurt me what, seven times? Seventy times seven? How, you know? Unlimited. That's what he's saying. We need to forgive. We need to forgive people. We need to not have a limit on it. Not, not put a, a barometer on it. Not say so far and no further. We need to make sure that when we forgive people the same way, that there's no failure that is too great that has taken place that we will not forgive. Wow, yes. That, that's amazing, isn't it? And I know in our spirit, some of you are saying, Pastor, you don't know what that person has done to me. You don't know how they've hurt me. You don't know how bad it is, how they've wrecked me and disappointed me and torn the the, the heart right out of me. My life can't go on. Jesus has forgiven us, and he says, you know what? You need to forgive. You need to set that person free so that you are free. So that's not holding on to you anymore. Let Jesus deal with them. He'll work on them. He still loves them, even though you may not. He still loves them. Let them go, but you take care of yourself. Forgive because you need to have forgiveness to cleanse you and to set you free from that. 
when we talked about love last week, the agape, one way, unconditional love, we, we said, you know, I can't do that humanly. I can't do that myself. Do you know what? It's the same with forgiveness. You can't do that forgiveness yourself. You need to have God come and let his forgiveness flow through you. He's forgiven you. Let the love of, and the forgiveness that God has, let it flow to other people. I've, I've read some, and you know, terrible things that have happened in our world, yet people can forgive. Why? Because God has forgiven us much, and God helps us, and God blesses, and the grace of God flows into us so that we can forgive. We can forgive. No failure too great. The same way God loves us promptly, we need to promptly forgive right away. Well, let me think about it. Well, let me just see how you act in the next little while. Let me see if you really mean it. Let me just make sure. Uh, maybe uh, I'll put you on probation for a little while. And if you prove, and if you're a good boy, you don't do it again. There's no probation in forgiveness. Aren't you glad God doesn't have probation? <laughs> Some of us would still be, still, yeah, we, we, you know. The forgiveness of God comes prompt right away. He forgives us, and we need to forgive the people so that we're free and God can work. In the same way that God forgives us repeatedly, we need to, in the same way, forgive people repeatedly. They've done it again. They've hurt me again. They've disappointed me again. They've let me down again. In the same way that God forgives us, we need to make sure that repeatedly we forgive. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. Whatever it takes. Keep forgiving. Keep letting it flow. And fourthly, and, 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 and the last of the points, is that it needs to be unreminded. Unreminded. This is a tough one. It's a tough one. Because you know what? We're human. We can't forget. Somewhere along the line, somebody told us, you know, you, you need to forgive that person and forget about it. And, and we can't forget. And because we can't forget, we beat ourselves up. We feel guilty. It goes round and round. We feel like, oh, oh, there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe God isn't really at work. Because I can't, you know, we can't forget. But we can choose not to be reminded and let it bother us. We can choose to let it go. We can choose to give it to Jesus. We can choose to be free of it. Now, it'll still come back to your mind. I remember stuff from when I was a little kid. How about you? Stuff just pops into my mind. I think, where did that come from? Right? Because that's the way our minds work. And you know what? I'm so glad that God doesn't forget. And I don't think God made us so that we can just forget. Because when we forget... Things are not good. Think, things are a little tough. You know, in, in our household, and I, I don't know if it works this way in your house, but, but God put two people together that approach things a little bit differently. And anybody else? Wendy just, she loves to clean stuff out. She's never happier than when she's going through and throwing stuff out. She loves it. She, she, you know, at, at one of the things I dread is that on a Saturday... She's going to say, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to clean out your drawers. Hallelujah. You know, 
I, I think of all sorts of appointments that I have all of a sudden. I, I just, you know, because she loves to do it. And if you buy a new shirt, you throw an old one out. And if you haven't worn that for the last three years, guess what? Let's get rid of it. And so it goes into the rag bag, right? Goes in. And you know what I do? I wait till she goes downstairs to get supper ready, and I go and I find it, and I take that old shirt out of the thing, because that's my favorite shirt. I love that shirt. There's no elbows in that shirt. It's roaring. You know, I go and I get it, I stick it in the back of my cupboard, because I feel good wearing that shirt. <laughs> do you know I just do the same thing with all of those bad memories and the hurts that people have done? Wendy's a much better Christian than I'll ever be. She can forgive and let it go. I just want to put the shirt back on every once in a while. I just want to feel good and just go round and round and think, boy, that's so good. I can't forget about it. It's okay. But you know what? The pain of it is gone. I've let it go. I've given it to Jesus. I've asked Jesus to forgive me. And I've asked Jesus to let his love flow into me so that I can forgive people that have hurt me. You've got people that have hurt you. Don't let them keep hurting you. Forgive them. Let them go. Give them to Jesus. Forgiveness so that why? You can be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Okay, we're coming to the third and the final point. Do you know when you're on an airplane and you are coming to land? And they put the seatbelt sign on and the stewardess or the captain or whoever comes on and says, uh, we're coming in for landing, so you better fasten your seatbelt. Okay, folks, we're coming in for a landing. This is point three. You better put your seatbelt on. To not forgive is serious. It's very, very serious. It's not just a matter of, oh, well, they'll never know. I'll just hold on to it. Well, no. What does Jesus say? Jesus wraps it up with a terrible point. Verse 35. He says, this is how my heavenly father is going to treat each one of you unless you forgive from your heart. Not just, yes, I forgive you. Okay. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be from your heart. And if we don't forgive... Jesus says, God can't forgive us. You go back to the earlier part of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 6, and the disciples said, Jesus, we see you praying. Won't you teach us how to pray? So what do they pray? You know it. Come on. Our Father, help me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And we like to say amen. But you know what? In Matthew chapter 6, after Jesus had given the Lord's prayer, really the disciples' prayer, really our prayer, that we need to pray all the time. You know what he goes back to in verse 14 and 15? Of all the things that are involved in that prayer, of all of the things that Jesus could have picked up, verse 14, he says, because if you don't forgive somebody else, my Father in heaven cannot forgive you. Jesus repeats it there. And he's telling us now later in Matthew's gospel, you know what, I think we better pay a little attention. Because he's repeating it here. This is serious stuff. If we don't forgive, if we hold on to it, God holds us to the same standard that we use for other people. We decide our own fate. We make it happen or not happen. We are either forgiven because we choose to be forgiven or we can't be forgiven because we choose not to be forgiven. Folks, that's serious stuff. You got your seatbelt on. You look good on the outside. You smell good when you come into church. It's wonderful. But you know what? If there's unforgiveness in your heart and in your spirit, you're wasting your time coming to church, Jesus says. God, forgive me. Forgive me of all the stupid things I do when I, I, I let those things hold on to me and I let people's hurts and the things that they've said to me and the way they treat me and, and what the bad things that, that they've done to me. I let that dominate my life and not just my life, but now my relationship with God, my eternity is determined by the standard I use of how I treat other people. Wow, that's serious stuff. That's why I'm discussing and preaching this message to you today. This is the kind of stuff that we need to hear over and over and over again. That's when revival comes. When revival comes, it's so that we will repent, so that we will forgive, so that we will get all that stuff off us, so that the presence of Jesus will come and set us free and empower us and make us to be the people that he created us to be and he wants us to be. And he lets the Holy Spirit work in us so that we will go out and be the people called by his name. That's what it's all about. And you can go to Bible college and you can have letters after your name, but if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, Jesus says, God is not your father. Wow. And I just believe that Jesus loves you too much. I'm so glad he loves me in spite of me too much that he doesn't want me to stay there. He wants me to forgive because he wants to forgive me. He paid a big price. He died to forgive me. So let's live in forgiveness. Let's first of all let the forgiveness that God offers to us and wants to pour through us, let's let that happen. But secondly, let's make sure that in this life that we're living, in a dusty, dirty world, we can't let it get all over us 
and turn us aside. That's when revival comes in my mind. When the people set free by Jesus are full of Jesus, are full of the Holy Spirit. Then something's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're going to close in prayer. We're going to pray today. I believe this is something that needs to happen all the time. But it's something that happens to take the brakes off what God wants to do in my life and your life, in our church, in our community, in our world. Let's not let there be any hindrance or any barrier. Amen? Let's let there be freedom in Jesus' name. So we're going to pray, first of all, for the forgiveness of God. We're going to invite God to forgive us again. We're going to say, God, yes, we're human. Yes, we're sinful. Forgive us. Cleanse us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that will cleanse us and wash us. And when you walk out of the door today, you're going to walk out forgiven. Hallelujah. A child of God, ready to receive all the good things that God's got for you. But secondly, we're going to ask God to hear us when we forgive the people that have hurt us. We're going to take those people out of the cage in our heart and we're going to set them free. Whether they deserve it or not. Whether they asked you to or not. Whether they even know about it or not, you're going to forgive them so that you're free and God's forgiveness is going to flow to you. Would you close your eyes, bow your head for a moment? I know this is serious. Please, folks, I don't take this lightly. In this world, Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation and trouble. And oh boy, that's been true. But the best part is, the first part is, Jesus came to this earth to die so that we could be restored into fellowship with God. We could be forgiven. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love towards me. Thank you that you sent the answer in your son Jesus to die on the cross, to let his blood be spilled, to give his life a ransom for my sins, to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven of all of my past I know my past. We all know our past. You choose to forgive me, to remember it no more, to remove it as far as the east is from the west. You're not going to hold it against me. Unlimited, repeated, prompt, unreminded. Thank you for that great forgiveness. I receive Jesus afresh. Come and wash me, Lord Jesus, in your precious blood. Come and sit on the throne of my heart. Come and be in charge of who I am. Come and be the Lord and master of my life. Give direction. By the Holy Spirit, fill me up with your presence, I pray, so that I will experience not things of the past holding on, holding me back, but now I'll experience the fullness of your life living in and living through me. Thank you for your forgiveness today. I receive it, and I say thank you that I can walk in it and live in it. Thank you, Lord, that as repentance happens for the past in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul today, as repentance happens, that you cleanse me and you wash me, and I'm free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we're going to pray and forgive all of those people that have hurt us, that have damaged us, that owe us something. There's a debt. And we choose today to forgive them. 
we choose to say we let them go. We don't hold against them the things that they've done. We let them go. We give them into your hands. We set them free so that you can love them and bless them and help them and change them and do whatever you need to do. But Lord, as I give them to you right now, and I'm thinking about specific people. I'm thinking about certain circumstances. I'm thinking about those hurts that dominate my thoughts and my mind and, 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 and hold on to me. I, I, I take them now and I give them to you. I forgive. I let go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I let go of it. Lord, I pray for your grace and your goodness to flood into our hearts and lives and pour through us. We can't forgive properly on our own, but you living through me, forgive, set free, come and make it brand new again in your precious name, I pray. Lord, I'm not going to pick it up again like, like that old dirty shirt that Wendy wants to throw out. I'm not going to pick it up anymore. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let it dominate my life. In any way anymore, I'm going to walk free. When I walk out of the doors of this building, I'm walking out free in Jesus' name. And whom the Son set free is free indeed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, before we conclude, I just want to pray for a moment that we will forgive ourselves. We will forgive ourselves. Sometimes we are our own worst critic. We do things and we call ourselves bad names under our breath because we know us and we've blown it again. We've given in again. We've sinned again. Thank you, Jesus, that you died to forgive me. Thank you, Father, that through Jesus you forgive me and you set me free. And if you forgive me, I forgive me. I forgive myself. I ask that your cleansing blood will flow through me from the top of my head right through me, my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit, that I will be free, completely free, completely free, so that I won't be hurting myself in any ways. Other people have hurt. Why would I hurt myself? I forgive myself for all the things because you forgive me. I know I don't deserve it, but you love me and you've done what needs to be done. And so I receive it with joy and thanksgiving. I forgive myself for the past. I forgive myself for the failures. I forgive myself for all of the things that I've held on to that weren't good for me. Lord, as I conclude in praying for the people here that are sitting in the building, some that may be watching online, Lord, I just pray that we would feel that burden has lifted off us that we're free, that we can walk in forgiveness, we can operate in forgiveness, we can be salt and light, we can be your people, we can be like Jesus in this world. That's what we desire to be. When they walk out of the door of this building, Lord, we don't pick it up, we don't take it on again, we don't put that coat on, we just walk out in freedom to live in freedom so that you can forgive us. Thank you for your great forgiveness. Lord, we look forward to the day when we stand before you in heaven not because we deserve it or we've earned it, but because of your great love and forgiveness that you pour out on each of us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. How many of you are glad for the amazing grace of God? Isn't that where we started? Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? 
Aren't you glad that he's got better things planned for you than you even have planned for yourself? Aren't you glad that he's able to make all the good things that he desires for you to happen if you'll just let him do it through Jesus Christ in your, in your life? Amen? Amen. God bless you today. Have a great day. Have a great week. God bless you as you go. Thanks for listening to Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a great week.